Hey, all you Trek Live crew members, this is Trek Live Dan. Just wanted to say thank you for dropping by the podcast feed. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is recorded live first on our YouTube channel, so definitely um, stop on by to join the discussion. Without further ado, enjoy the show. And we're live for episode 163 of Trek Live. How you doing this morning, Dan? Doing great. Excited about this topic. <laughs> Wanting to wish everybody a happy Easter if they... Happy Easter. Yeah. If they celebrate it, if they don't, happy Sunday. Excited to talk about some Trek. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. <clears throat> Hearing myself. Apologies. Okay. This morning, we're going to talk about um, first officers or captain and first officer dynamics. Bill and I kind of talked about this this off stream, off stream, uh, off air. Uh, And I think there's going to be a good conversation there. But I think before we jump into it, we should probably jump into our rewatch recap. So, Bill, how's the uh, rewatch going? Yeah, mine's rolling along pretty well. Last week when we did this, I hadn't. I was I was rewatching Discovery, which I did. I, I did the whole thing, yeah, all the way through season three. So I wrapped that up since the last time we streamed. Um, and for the more traditional Voyager Deep Space Nine alter alternating uh, rewatch 3.0, I'm at um, what did I watched yesterday. I watched the last ones I watched were State of Flux from Voyager and oh. Distant Voices from Deep Space Nine. So. Okay. I'm like three quarters of the way through both of those seasons. I'm getting close to wrapping those up. Um, season one of Voyager, I think, starts stronger than I usually remember. It, I, you know, it's got a mix. I don't know. It's got a mix. Like, it's got a mixed bag. I think at the beginning. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, there are some episodes that are definitely misfires for me. But I guess I'm. It's been such a long time since I really properly watched Voyager. I'm just happy to be back in that in that world. Gotcha. Um, and I'm, I'm enjoying it, even even when the episodes aren't necessarily landing. Um, uh, but, like, I really like Phage. Um, I really enjoy Eye of the Needle I believe. Uh, from the first season. I think that's a that's a heartbreaker. It really works well. Um, Prime Factors, uh, State of Flux, I think that's a good little run there. Uh, they're both pretty good. Prime Factors is, we talk a lot about episodes that capitalize on the show's premise. And I think early on in Voyager, Prime Factors is such kind of, a, Prime Factors and the Eye of the Needle are both roller coaster ride, like heartbreaking kinds of near, you know, almost there kind of yeah. things. Like it's not going to come easy. Like it, the, the, the classic Star Trek solutions that, you know, the other shows would find to get out of problems aren't going to happen quite so, you know, aren't going to come easy uh, in, in this premise. Um, and I really like both those episodes for that reason. It establishes that, you know, it's going to be a long journey. It's going to be tough. There are going to be setbacks. You know, things aren't going to go as planned. Yeah. Um, I love in Prime Factors the, the, the conversation Janeway has in the briefing room about, like, this is what it must feel like on the other foot. Like, if when, when we deny sharing technology with the Kazon, for example. Yeah. Now we're feeling what Kazon feel. feels when we're yeah. told no. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. I love being put on the other side of the, you're not ready for this, or we choose not to share kind of situation. Um, which, and then with Deep Space Nine, that's, yeah. oh God, I'm sorry. Which you, get, which you get some of that in Enterprise, but at this time when you're watching Voyager, we don't really get that. We, The, the previous shows were the most advanced, were the, were the, you know, the big hit on the block, but uh, it's nice. It's refreshing, for, from what I remember. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> and then real quick with like episodes that don't work as well for me at this point in the show, like first three quarters of season one, I think Expo's Facto has a really cool premise. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, I think, because you, you had watched Hard Time and we talked about those two episodes kind of being similar with the like alternate forms of like extreme punishment, not just incarcerating you or, yeah. you know, not killing, not capital punishment, but finding ways to, you know, tackle these problems and uh you know expos facto i think has a really cool idea at its core and i love the film noir stuff i've talked about that on the show there are episodes of deep space nine that really do the film noir stuff really well and the older i get and the more i expose myself to movies and stuff in the old you know you know old american cinema um it i love that genre and i love when star trek gets to play in it and expos facto really embraces those traits and those tropes and um I don't think it really works. I think it's kind of um, thin and not terribly interesting. I think that the way I think I said on Twitter, I was talking, I think that bad that I like the window dressing more than the, the substance. I like the, yeah. the, uh, the, the film noir stuff and the concept more than I like the actual, you know, meat potatoes of the, yeah, <laughs> meat potatoes of the episode. Yeah. Don't, don't work as well. I think Hard Times a much more successful, yeah, substantive episode uh, with real character development and insights and interesting stuff going on. Big time. Um, yeah, Deep Space Nine is rolling along pretty well. Um, you know, episodes like Destiny, Heart of Stone. I tweeted I think last week that Heart of Stone is like one of those episodes that you know, as a kid, I was kind of cool on. Didn't love it. Didn't love it all. Uh, I thought it was you know, middle of the road at best, and now yeah. I love it. I think whenever I watch Heart of Stone, it hits me like a ton of bricks. Uh, the, both the stories, I think the Odo stuff and the Nog stuff are both really successful. So I think they work really well together. Um, they capitalize on each other well. Um, fit like hand and glove. It, it's, it's a, I think it's a really strong episode. It's, it's grown on me a lot over the years. I'm always interested to find those and doing these rewatches, like seeing episodes that land differently now than I remember them years and years ago yeah what about you yeah you mentioned you mentioned hard time that was my last episode so this week i did a a three run uh three episodes uh so i watched shattered mirror the muse and for the cause the 19 and 20 shattered mirror and the muse definitely a tough go for me on both fronts not a not a big fan of either episode but for the cause is um, just it's just it's 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 funny because these two episodes just feel so out of place in this such strong episode and this such strong run. So that's why maybe it, it feels a little bit jarring when I come to these two episodes. But for the cause is I mean it's just great. It's um it's capital it's capitalizing on what we've seen before. It's kind of twisty turny. It's it's um it's just all great. It's all yep. good stuff. So yeah, lots of surprises and keeps you guessing kind of stuff with for the cause with Eddington and Cassidy Yates and yeah. all the Maquis intrigue. Uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, you know, Cisco doubting himself and doubting his own instincts and you know what could be true, what could not. Uh, I think I think uh, State of Flux, the one I just watched, um, and for the cause, kind of go hand in hand too. Yeah. Like that's another kind of weird pairing of you know is there a traitor in your midst and can you see it? Yeah. Um, is your, is your bias and your feelings, you know, blinding you to what's right in front of you uh, with Seska and Chakotay and Eddington and Cisco and Cassidy and Cisco. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, but uh, Shattered Mirror, I think we're well on the record. We've talked a lot, I think, over the years about, you know, the, the, the pluses and minuses of the Mirror Universe and how it kind of putters out in Deep Space Nine. I think Shattered Mirror kind of represents the, the, the running out of gas for a lot of people with the Mirror Universe. I know I pretty much count myself in that, too, and I remember talking to you about that. It's not a surprise to hear that that one didn't land. Um, and the Muse, I think, is pretty universally might be the worst cited as a major. Yeah. It could, uh, yeah, it makes lists. Yeah. Certainly, it's in that profit and lace kind of category. It's in fascination territory. Um, you know, the, it, when when you see lists of which episodes of Deep Space Nine are you know gener- genuinely bad or you know universally loathed, the, the Muse is never too um, outside of those conversations. So. Yeah. I'm glad you got uh, for the cause as a palate cleanser in there and didn't yes. end on those two misfires. Yep. Um, and I'm excited to see what you think of some of the episodes you have left in season four. You're right at the end, and to the death is really, really fun and exciting yeah. good action episode the quickening is controversial uh, you know there that's a that's a your mileage may vary kind of episode we've talked about on the show uh, yep. i'm sure we may talk about that one again yes. and you know the season ends on an interesting note too so um good stuff ahead in the chat we have jimmy 77 and cyber honey our our frequent flyers and welcome guys very valued guests how you guys doing um jimmy 77 agreeing i the needle was good one yes. uh cyber honey focused mostly on tos this week uh to, to hone in on kirk and spock very oh, familiar with perfect. the other first off captain relationships Cold love work. that yeah uh <clears throat> yep talking about aaron to mercy and sitting in this forever great episodes um yeah, Cyber Honey says she does like Loxana and Odo in the Muse. Interesting. Okay. Um, to hear that. Um, so, I think we should transition into our kind of topic of the week with the Captain First Officer relationships and dynamics. Um, we don't have a whole lot of prep done for like exactly how we're going to tackle this. It's kind of just a, a conversation starter. We're going to talk about what we feel like and what the chat. Anybody who's in here hanging out on Twitter live and on uh, YouTube might contribute to the conversation, might steer us in one direction or the other. Um, but I'm definitely interested to talk about um, each one. I think each show is kind of yes uh, one, of, one of the hallmarks that gives these shows their personalities and gives them their unique traits are these relationships with the people at the top of the call sheet for those for those series uh and each one has you know kind of distinctive traits and unique qualities and i'm kind of interested to see which ones come the most to mind to you which one is your you, you kind of enjoy the most and what you take away from each one of them mm-hmm. um so i guess how do you want to start is there something right off the bat that you're interested to yeah jump I, into I, will, gonna... I will uh i think the the beauty of what you just said uh kind of talking about how they're, each show kind of has a different dynamic, but there are also some similarities. Uh, and I think yeah. the the similarity, at least when I first think about this, is, is this deep loyalty to each other. Um, mm-hmm. Cyber Honey mentioned... Some of them develop every time. Yeah. Some of them are right off the bat. Some of them do develop, but that is definitely a common trait that all of them share by the time the show's yeah. rolling. And Cyber Honey mentioned uh, maybe a mock time in there? I don't know if she did. But that's that's kind of the first kind of episode she comes to mind. Uh, Kirk's ordered to go somewhere else, and he defies orders to go back to Vulcan because of the health reasons and personal reasons of his first officer. So I think that's, that's really cool. Um, 
Uh, Riker and Picard definitely have that loyalty, but yeah, that's just one of the first things, the similarities that comes to mind. We can definitely talk about the differences in each of these, but when I, you know, break it down, over time, the loyalty definitely grows for each of these. Yeah, that's definitely definitely the case and uh, the, the the differences come in how quickly or how does that loyalty evolve um and how does it like manifest itself in the kind of friendship slash relationship that these two characters have like yeah. they, they each have their own kind of different flavors like to, to, since you mentioned kurt and spock and i know cyberani mentioned watching tos this week to kind of prep to, to talk about this i think kirk and spock represent like the pure friendship of the lot like the yeah. i think they have the most pure um straight up clean cut just admiration and friendship the way that you would associate like a two people that are just friends and not co-workers or you know put into a position to have to work together and then maybe a friendship evolves from that uh, over time like the, i think they represent the most traditional um friendship kind of bond um yeah but there's obvious uh interesting meat to chew on there with the extreme yin and yang that those two people represent i think the the the, the exploration yeah. of the uh the two different approaches to life you know tos we've talked a lot about either being depending on i guess the episode you're watching and what point of the show you're watching it like it's it's about the trio kind of representing the human psyche and the emotion and the logic and having to put them together and attack a problem uh, or you know it's sometimes it's as simple as kirk is the, the humanity and the the, the the feeling and spock is the logic and the analytics and yep. having to find the answer in the middle like uh, that's so in the bones of what tos is um exploring that kind of dynamic through these two guys friendship um out in space having adventures mm-hmm. um you know two people that wouldn't on the paper on a piece of paper like two people's character traits wouldn't you know scream at you oh these two people are going to be best friends uh, but they can be which i think is key yeah yeah uh, and I think you're right. I think a mock time. I think the search for Spock, even though Spock's not oh, in yeah. it much, represent that kind of like that loyalty, that 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 friendship on display at its at its most pure form. Like Kirk willing to throw away his career, everything yeah. to to save his friend. Uh, it, it's not just a coworker. It's not just you know a colleague. It's you know this guy is important to him mm. and. You know, maybe more important to him than anything. So, it's uh, definitely a hallmark of the, uh, the original series, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Cyber, he's talking about Riker and Picard's relationship. Um, I think that, it's a little more formal. Yeah, like it's, it is. It's, Especially at the beginning. Like, he quotes regulation and, and all these things, mm-hmm. and he's really kind of um, by the book. Uh, so I think that's to me when I think of that relationship, it's it's more professional. Um, I think at the end, obviously, they they definitely get to that loyalty point and that friendship point. But I think initially, it's definitely really formal. I think um, even just the the way that the the first officer and captain are kind of portrayed, the position. 
uh, is portrayed in that show. It's more like um, Riker runs the crew. He's like the CEO. CEO. He like he, he deals with crew rotation and then stuff with with Troy and then it definitely is is different and it feels different than the TOS. The HR stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's represented through you know that, that, that's clearly Kirk and Picard and you know there have been countless conversations comparing these two characters over the years. <laughs> this is like the most common conversation in Star Trek history comparing yeah. Kirk and Picard but so this is not breaking any ground but obviously Kirk is much more extroverted than Picard is Picard is a clear introvert he's more comfortable in his own skin he's not the life of the party he's not you know gonna make friends super easily he's he's more of a stickler for protocol he's a little more formal you know his his admiration and friendship with people comes out differently than Kirk's does he, there's just a different kind of person there yeah. um, but I don't think it's any less apparent I think there are moments throughout the next generation into the movies that Picard's admiration and loyalty to Riker and Riker's you know feeling back to Picard is clearly on display. There's a clear friendship there. Yeah. Uh, but it manifests itself differently than Kirk and Spock does. It does. Uh, because of the personality of the guy at the top with Picard. Just not... You know, he's, you're not going to typically find Picard, like, going on an adventure in the holiday with Riker. I, I don't think. Um, I think sometimes they hint at some things happening along those lines. Unless it was... Uh, fencing and things yeah. like that. But I, I don't get the, the impression that there's, like, a lot of sheer recreational two guys going to have a good time on shore leave together stuff going on between those two guys um but there's there's an immense it's more manifested through respect and loyalty and having each other's backs and being there for each other and you know um having a very real friendship but just you know one that looks a little different than what picard and spock's yeah and this appears to be My next point, especially with them, it's like a common, another common thing that I notice is if you take away the captain, will the second in command be able to, or the first officer be able to just as be just as successful? Like, who would you want backing you up? And I think that in all of these cases, I think they're a perfect fit, but um, that's just yeah. another kind of common theme. Is there? You mentioned a mock time for Kirk and Spock. Is there a, an episode or a moment or something along the way in the next generation that you think comes to mind when you think of the Picard Riker thing? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. And, yeah. You know, watch the next um, super recently. Yeah, I feel like I feel like he quotes regulation early on. Maybe it was the 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 pilot yeah, uh, yeah. where the captain can't beam down. Um, that's definitely there. Um, Captain's Holiday, I think, uh, yeah. where he goes to... <laughs> I think it's kind of a fun... Uh, <laughs> Cyber Honey kind of mentioned fun playful playfulness. I think there's some of that in there. Um, yeah, I think this... I don't know, maybe those... Come, they, there's, there's moments, yeah. I think... Um, uh, when I think about it, uh, Riker also gives up a command. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the ship's name that he gives up uh, to Captain to stay with the Enterprise. But um, stuff like a that. A couple of times. So stuff like that, moments like that make me feel that that loyalty that I felt with Kirk and Spock, for sure. 
Cyber Honey mentions the Pegasus, which I didn't have in mind, but I should have because I've watched oh, it fairly yeah. recently, and that does put Riker's loyalty to Picard to the test. His former CEO and yeah. you know, former yeah. captain, and in a really stressful situation, having to kind of make him <clears> choose between you know the Picard and Pressman, and you know his actions are gonna you know he's he, his his hand is forced; he has to choose one of them, and mm-hmm. he chooses Picard. Um, but I, I, the one that came to mind for me is the best of both worlds, you know, because of the turning down the command and kind of being thrust into command without the card and his his struggles with that. I think of that scene in Picard's ready room with Guinan in part two of that, where he's really you know, kind of struggling with how to handle commanding the Enterprise in Picard's absence and like yeah. does he does he you know he, he's got to kind of embrace the the, the the role and not try to try to operate in Picard's shoes or in his shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, the size of Picard's impact on Riker's whole mentality is really on display I think Um, there Um, and you know I I think Jimmy 77's point about Picard didn't play poker with the crew until the end of All Good Things I think that's the point with Picard's character like the, the, the journey of the next generation is kind of Picard's comfort level with the crew being his family um, yeah. and coming to terms with kind of opening up and feeling comfortable in his own skin is is paid off through that kind of moment. That's that's his relationship with the whole crew, but you know, Riker's certainly part of that too. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's another really good moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the, the, the other, yeah, the, the new stuff is its own animal because those shows are kind of structured differently. Discovery yeah. with the captain. So we're going to get to a point where those are whole, whole different conversations. But, you know, the, the rest of the Berman era shows, DS9 through Enterprise, there are some common traits, I think, with all three of these uh, captain first officer dynamics um, in that they don't start from a place of immediate trust. Um, all three of them. So you're in the midst of Deep Space Nine, and one of the things that kind of, I think, put this conversation on our radar was your kind of charting and watching the Cisco Kira thing develop over time. Mm-hmm. So as you're, you know, where you sit now, kind of towards the back end of season four, like what comes to mind when you think of Cisco and Kira um, being knee deep into Deep Space Nine right now? Uh, it, it's different because I think oh, there's a lot of different, there's more factors that go oh, yeah. into into that, uh, especially with um, uh, the Deep Space Nine side of things. I it's tough because I think um, Cisco is put in put in such a a a tough situation. Um, I don't know. Does he get to pick his first officer? No, and so no, I was already there when he shows up. Yeah, I think that isn't it, it. I feel like you, but that's not the case when you're get uh, when you're a captain. I think you do get to pick. Yeah, your first under officer. a traditional assignment. Yeah. So that's that's. I mean, it starts off with a um, that kind of weird dynamic, and then he becomes uh, this this weird icon uh, in her culture, and so that's kind of a, an interesting. It's a yep. tough thing to, to kind of navigate between them two. Um, yep. So there's there's some really good stuff um, with that. There's also uh, I don't know. There's there's a great a lot of great episodes. Um, I think uh, progress. I think 
uh, yep. is good with, good with them. But initially, the tough thing, I think, for their relationship is trust. I think a lot of these 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 dynamics between the captain and first officer are really built on trust and, and things like that. And I think Kira has already struggled with trust uh, because of what her people and what she's gone through. So coming in, so Cisco coming in, it's it's hard to kind of build that trust. I mean, same with uh, Cisco. Cisco's kind of in the same. He's coming off a command that he that he didn't really enjoy. This this um, this tough thing with his wife and things like that. So I think there's some trust trust stuff that they have to kind of work through. But um, uh, that progress, I think, is like the first time where I'm like, okay, like they're starting to kind of trust each other, being able to like give and take. Um, so, yeah, um, I think maybe in Starship Trust too, there's some there's some really good stuff. Great. Um, yeah, Cisco's injured, and uh, but yeah, those this as, again, trust for me, that's the thing that comes to mind. It's like it's hard to build right away with um, their kind of dynamic. Yeah, I think you're right on the money. I think trust with with what I think too. I think I think trust is definitely the the sort of hallmark trait and thing that is explored through these two characters in Deep Space Nine. I think um, you know, just like you said, neither one of those people, uh, Cyber Honey, mentions it too. Cisco and Kira initially didn't want the posting that they're assigned to. Like yes. in Emissary, neither one is real happy to be there. Cisco is in a dark place with losing his wife. He's not even sure he wants to be in Starfleet anymore and he's getting thrown into this far-flung yeah, space yeah. station in the deep reaches of space that's like, you know, the armpit of the galaxy. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just not not a happy assignment at all. Uh, and Kira sees at this point in the early, early days of the show, you know, there's, there's mistrust. You know, they just chase the Cardassians out and they're trading one occupying, you know, entity for, for another. another one. Cardassians yeah. are gone and here comes Starfleet, you know, the plot pits flag down and, you know, protect and mm-hmm. take care of the Bajoran. So there's there's a, there's a process that's going to have to play out and we, we get to see that process play out over the course of the early seasons and beyond mm-hmm. uh, with those two characters kind of coming to terms and Starfleet and the Bajorans kind of coming to terms. I think that's a really well explored uh, storyline in that first season of Deep Space Nine. I think they, they actually chart that pretty well through a lot of those episodes, like the Bajoran and the, the Starfleet crews kind of mingling and what do they do together and what don't they do together. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien's got, remember, O'Brien's got like a Bajoran assistant that he's becoming friends with, but yeah. she ends up turning and doing some shenanigans. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff explored there, and Cisco and Kira are kind of like, like the, 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 the at the top of the food chain example of that kind of playing out for us as an audience. Um, but I think Starship Down, you know, really putting on display the, like you said, the emissary role and not just the way that that complicates, I think, how Kira looks at Cisco and having to kind of like keep him, you know, that, 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 that impacts how she interacts with him. Like not only is he her commanding officer and somebody she respects on that level, but there's this whole other cultural icon yeah, element. yeah 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 there's religious implications involved and you know and, and cisco knows that too so that impacts how he is with her like he keeps him distant to some extent because he knows what she thinks and how she views the whole thing so they have to work through that and starship down i think does a really good job of uh putting that on display and making them kind of confront how they see each other and how they how they interact um, outside of just duty, um, 
So I think that's really cool and really well done. And it puts, you know, these two characters on a level playing field with like equal parts admiration and respect, but equal parts like discomfort at the same time and having to work through those things. And I think that develops a strong over the course of the show. Um, Yeah. And then Deep Space Nine stuff because there are just so many, uh, like unlike some of these other relationships, you know, Deep Space Nine has such a wide array of characters and different relationships that the Cisco Kira dynamic, I don't know, gets like that much more of a spotlight than any other like yeah. combination it's not of like characters because the, the, there are just so many of yeah, them. Yeah, it's not the, the 1A. Yeah, it's just one yeah. of the many uh, different dynamics yes. and relationships on that show. So. On the one hand, it is hard to definitely nail that down, but it's definitely there, I think, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think one that's really near and dear to both of our hearts we've talked a lot about is Janeway Chakotay and Voyager. I think yes. there's a lot of meat there as well um, to really chew on and think about. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I think I think the common trait between these three, you kind of mentioned in most Starfleet assignments, you get to pick your first officer, right? Yes, uh, not the case. Cisco, Janeway, yeah. and Archer—all three of them—are yep. kind of thrusted upon with this is going to be your XL. This is going to be your your, your yep. second in command that you're going to have to work closely with. It's not somebody, you know. For Janeway, it's kind of circumstance forces it, and, and accident, and you know, it's it's less uh, a little different than with Cisco and Archer. But um, all three of them don't have the benefit of having a handpicked first officer. But yeah. <laughs> they pick the resume out of a pile or something. Yeah. Um, so what what comes to mind when you think of the Janeway Chicote situation? Which is a loaded question because there's a lot. There is a lot. Again, that trust kind of comes to, to mind right away. Um, that's definitely a, a, a work in progress, I think, at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, and then it, it really becomes a loyalty thing at the end, I think. Um, and uh, some self checks too. The um, if the if the if Chakotay goes too far, Janeway is there to say, "Hey, just pull the reins back a little bit." On the other side of the coin, Janeway goes too far. It's it's they have that respect and ability to be like, "Okay, let's just." You know, here we go. I mean, we talked about night. Um, yeah. That that kind of connects these two uh, kind of topics. Uh, so there's there's some good checks in, in that uh, kind of episode as well. But yeah, um, again, there's there's some trust issues at the beginning, obviously. And, uh, I think by the end, there's some great loyalty, but there's also some maybe some romantic feelings, but also. Um, some feelings from Chakotay that he is he's happy and content with his where the position and where they are and so there's some that dynamic in there as well he's not in a, a very big hurry to uh, to make it back so um, yeah a lot of stuff a lot of meat I, I, on the bone for that um, dynamic yeah I, I think Chakotay wants to get home and I think he wants the crew to succeed at their mission and you know isn't I, I just think when challenges are brought up and they, like they're like I've mentioned many times before when there's a fork in the road he's he's going to be more open to the idea of settling or taking the longer road than Janeway is uh, there's a different attitude mm-hmm. and a different level of obsession uh, to accomplishing the mission of getting home mm-hmm. uh, you know I, 
I think, uh, and that's I, I, like I mentioned many times. I think that's driven by a couple of different things. I think it's the you know, caretaker of the Maquis crew, uh, and you know the knowledge of what waits them back home, uh, and and uh, you know I think he's conscious of. Characters like Balana, who's like the one we know the best of the Maquis, other than Chakotay, yeah. you know, being as successful as she's ever been. She's chief engineer on a starship, and she's mm-hmm. in a position that she probably wouldn't have gotten to be in otherwise. And you know, his people are benefiting from this experience. Um, so I think that complicates his feelings on everything. And then, like you mentioned, I think that especially in those early seasons, I think they really do lean into, you know, or dab their toe in the water of what kind of romantic feelings are kind of bubbling underneath the surface here uh, with uh, going both ways. But I think the one that is most, I think the way I always read it is that Chakotay is feeling it for Janeway and that that drives some of those (laughs) decisions on his part Uh, where Janeway, I think might feel the attraction and might be, you know, in a, in a different life and in a different set of circumstances might be open to it, but is not going to allow herself to go down that road because of her, you know, singular vision of uh, this is my mission and I got to stay on track and not get bogged down by you know these domesticated yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, vibes that would come from having a relationship mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I love watching especially what I'm watching right now these early episodes the first couple of seasons I, I really enjoy kind of charting those things that I like to look for in the early episodes of Voyager because I think they're there. I think they were really toying with those ideas. And, you know, I think as the show evolves, that you mentioned it, I think it becomes more about that loyalty and that checking each other. Episodes like Equinox and episodes like Scorpion. Oh, yeah. Uh, that they time. can have very yeah, yeah. different views <laughs> on how to handle problems. Yeah. And that they go toe to toe. And sometimes it's not as simple as, oh, well, Chakotay was Maquis and left Starfleet, so he's going to be the roguish kind of badass, you know, break the rules kind of guy. Sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes Janeway, because of her obsession and her singular mindset, can can go harder core. And and Chakotay's (laughs) the one that's got to reel her back. Um, And I like the way that that's kind of unexpected and uh, kind of uh, flips the script on what you would expect those two characters to do. Yeah. I think as the show evolves, it becomes more about that than the stuff that I like talking about, about the early seasons Yeah, with the romantic bubbling under the surface stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cyber Honey says that she has a question. She wants to talk about the Picard Riker stuff. So we'll double back to that. Cyber Honey, make sure we uh, put it, put it in the chat and I'll make sure that we double back once we're, uh, you know, getting ready to wrap it up. We'll, we'll double back to anything that's kind of left hanging. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Jimmy77 is minor nitpick. Uh, just wish they would have taken a little more time to develop the trust between Janeway and Chakotay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of the the hallmark. It's a fair criticism. Yeah. Criticism of those early episodes of Voyager. You know, I think it's a fair thing to lob at the show that, you know, the, that, that integration of the two crews maybe happens a little easily. Uh, You know, I don't think the show is too interested in having, you know, fights in the hallways and, you know, you know, Parallax does that. I think the the first episode past Caretaker, you have Torres and Carrie kind of fighting over the engineering (laughs) job and, you know, Blanc punching Carrie. And uh, and I think that actually is an episode when we kind of talked about episodes that kind of 
showcase these relationships. And I think Parallax is one, you know, pushing the Balana issue with Janeway mm-hmm. so early on is a, is a really important uh, thing. Resolutions, obviously, for that stuff, and Equinox and Scorpion for the other stuff, the loyalty and the checking each other. So there's a lot of episodes in Voyager that I think really uh, spotlight their relationship. But um, beyond Parallax, there's not a lot of like on screen struggles. Yeah. A lot of it's kind of implied. In my head, canon, yeah. I can, I can fix yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that they did with Chakotay was by having him be like a. Starfleet Lieutenant Commander who left because he had political views on the like this is a Starfleet Academy graduate. This is a higher ranking officer. This is a guy with command experience. He's got the you know, credentials. He's had important job. Yeah. Yes. It's not this is not a fugitive guy who never graduated the academy. This isn't Bolana, who's not an academy graduate, who's not an officer, who's just no. a you know, a civilian basically, who's granted this field commission. Like this, this is a guy who's yeah. And I think that allows mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Uh Janeway to, to it, it allows Chakotay to slide into the role more cohesively, more easily, and it allows Janeway to take a leap of faith and trust that he will exercise his Starfleet training in this situation. And they've come to an agreement on that. So I I hear what you're saying, Jimmy seventy seven. I think it would have been nice to see that build over time. And I think if Star Trek Voyager was produced in 2021 instead of 1995, that would be more of a, uh, a thing that was explored on screen. I think that that, that kind of dynamic would, would be more uh, attractive to a show today. Yeah. Shows are done today, but I don't know what the right decision would have been. For me, in any kind of work setting that I work at, it always starts at the top. If the boss and, and that is and that whole thing is messy and it's just going to trickle down through the employees. So in my mind, in my headcanon, they just begin with such a good rapport that the rest of the crew just kind of falls in line. So that's how I kind of rationalize it. Um, but yeah, definitely that's definitely a fair criticism. Yeah, absolutely. Jimmy seventy seven actually mentions it's an episode that I I don't often think of, but I, I think is actually kind of quietly pretty low key good as the the Voyager conspiracy. Oh, that, that kind yes. of showcases how yeah how easily that band aid can get ripped off easily. and those divisions can kind of come Quickly. back up again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once people start founding those conspiracy theories uh, and get people suspicious of each other, those those alliances kind of get tested. And yes. I think that episode does a good job of kind of reminding the audience that this is a this is a, good, a convenient uh, alliance for the time, but there there are some challenges to be had too. Um, yeah. Um, let's. Anything else on Jamie and Chikata? I don't think so. You want to touch on? Yeah. No. Uh, Archer and Paul, I, we've talked a lot about too. I, you know, I've I've been on the record talking about how I think. Enterprise, you know, looks at the Vulcan human thing and the building of the Federation through the lens of Archer and Paul and Trip and Paul and like their relationship evolving over time and trust. Trust is the other uh, yet again uh, the sort of thing here because they're not a chosen exactly act. like yeah. this isn't something that was assigned. This is this is assigned, not chosen, um, and neither one of them is real happy about it at the beginning. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I I think this is another major uh, trait of for this. It's a it's a huge defining characteristic of Enterprise is that that relationship. 
and how it develops. Yeah, because then she yes. gets ordered to come back, but then she wants to stay. You know, it's one of those things where uh, there's some good character development in that in that relationship as well. Yeah, and I think Jimmy Seventy Seven's point about uh, Janeway and Chakotay kind of wishing that there was more bumps in the road, and you could see the trust developing more on screen. I think that they do it with Archer and Paul. I think yeah, from yeah. the first season, oh, yeah. you do see that really happen. Like the, the, it doesn't happen quickly. I think. You, that first season kind of charts that I think at the end of like Shockwave when Paul stands up for Archer and the crew to the Vulcans at, at the end of that two-parter uh, and kind of defends their honor and that they weren't really responsible for this disaster and the Vulcans were being too hard on all that like that up, up until that happens there's really not an earned trust between them they, 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 they do in episodes like when they're in crisis situations they lean on each other and it is slowly building to that but until that happens at the end of Shockwave Part 2 yeah uh, it, it's really tenuous and not not fully formed yet um, so you do get that there mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's one of my favorite things about Enterprise. I think it's one of the things that draws me to it is that that they do that and that that it is such a slow burn relationship and seeing how bit by bit, you know, crisis by crisis, episode by episode, that trust gets formed over over time. Yeah. Um, and by the end, it's deep trust. It's, uh, yeah. It's deep. Yeah, I think it really resonates and is is well earned. Uh, by the end of season four and even into season three i think there there are moments in season three in that high stress environment with the zindi where it's it's really there i think of like in azadi prime when archer wants to go on the suicide mission to go bomb out the weapon yeah and to paul's dealing with trillium d stuff and her emotions are bursting like the thing that draws those emotions out to the point where she can't control them anymore at all is losing archer archer's gonna go do this thing and yeah i don't want you to die and uh, you know stuff comes out and um i think that's really well earned over the first three seasons of that show to get to that point yeah yeah um archer to paul is closer to cisco and kira uh i think is a good point you know having them be from two different cultures two different organizations you know they're not starfleet uh you know is not starfleet either at the time for voyager but and he's got the Starfleet training. He's a Starfleet officer who's core, like I said, kind of like Rios. It's kind of in his blood stuff. Uh, where Cisco, or like Kira and Paul, are not, they're not, in all caps, Starfleet officers. They, they don't have that in their background. Yeah. So uh, that is a good call. Good call. To kind of compare them. Yeah. Are there moments, episodes for you that kind of uh, highlight that Archer to Paul? The night separate, not, right? Uh, that's that's maybe a side of their relationship that I don't want to really relive. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, sure. The thing that kind of comes to mind is, um, I think when they start having like dinners and and things like that together, it's yeah. like that's kind of like the. Uh, maybe turning point uh, of trying to just kind of mend this relationship because they, it's it's such a it's so uh, I feel like in Broken Bow Archer is so hot and so against the Vulcans 
uh, interference yeah. at all. Uh, it's so it's so cool to see that development from that him bursting in and saying, "No, nah, let's just go. This, we don't want to listen." In the, until you know they're having they're sharing dinner over stories and having this really kind of intimate yeah. kind of relationship. So uh, I definitely do like that. I think that's that's a case of showing not telling paying off. I think the yeah. the, the thing that's missing from the Janeway Chicote thing that Jimmy seventy seven pointed out, like I want to see this trust build. I want to see this relationship kind of you know actually evolve. And I think the thing that those dinner scenes do. I think sometimes people hit Enterprise a little bit for you know they're they're always eating all these like nothing scenes yeah. in the mess hall and things like that, and they're sitting in the dining captain's dining room just kind of chilling like. I think that's important. I think that's what does that. I think that's what allows you to, allows me, speaking for myself, to buy that evolving relationship. We're, we're seeing that these people off duty every night or every few nights sit down, have a meal together, talk about their day, talk about what's going on, talk about the crew, talk about the mission. And it, it that's that's what's doing the work to build this relationship and build the trust. Uh, and not just for Archer and T'Pol, but for Tripp and T'Pol, because he's often there too. It's usually the three of them having, yeah. having dinner together. Um, and that that constant returning to that, especially in those early seasons, allows us to buy that. I think that's that's the thing that's missing from some of these other dynamics that people wish was there. So uh, I, I agree. I think those dining scenes are a major, yeah. you know, interesting you know uh, example of that relationship. Um, Cyber Honey mentioned Shadows of Pajem. That's the Vulcans wanting to reassign to Paul and Archer yeah. having to choose to want her at that point. You know, episodes yeah. before, maybe five, six, seven, eight episodes before, he'd be happy for her to get. You know, so yeah. Like, reassign, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he wants no part of her for those first handful of episodes. But by halfway through the first season, he kind of sees her value and understands that she brings a lot to the table. And, you know, it's tenuous trust, but it's it's building by that point. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good call. I, like I mentioned, I think Azadi Prime, her emotional outburst of, you know, admiration for Archer is a major point. Uh, her choice in the expanse to stick with the Enterprise and go on this mission and not, you know, follow Vulcan orders and not cooperate uh, is another major point. Um, and I think I, I don't like these are the voyages, but, you know, seeing that that last scene, you look heroic uh, line, uh, you know, straightening his tie. Um, at the very end of the episode, I that's, think it's touching. I yeah, think it's really it's well. That subtlety is, just, like, is so good. Yeah. Yeah. You look very heroic. Is one of it, like a, a great moment in a in in a really frustratingly uh, misguided finale. Um, like it's <laughs> to put one, it maybe the one thing you really love. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the payoff of that, just the the, the the little period on the the end of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just kind of to briefly touch on like the disco- discovery is really hard to talk about because we have the, the sort of rotating captains. We don't have a consistent. Each one has kind of its own dynamic. You know, the first season with Saru and Lorca and then with like Saru and Pike and then Burnham and Saru and Tilly and Saru. Like there's it's, a lot it's, of rotation. Had, like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a constant. uh rotating door of uh, roles, Burnham and Georgiou in the first couple episodes. So, like, we get little tastes of these different relationships, but certainly not in the same 
extensive exploration that these other shows committed to yeah. because of you know the formula of Star Trek up until that point was 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 to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. We don't even know who the first officer is right now. I don't think going into season four we know who the captain of Discovery is, but yeah. uh, we don't have a clear handle on who um, Burnham's first officer is going to be. So a lot of open questions, and I think the Discovery conversation is one to have down the road um, once the show is yeah. kind of maybe run its course. We'll see how that all adds up. Um, somebody in the chat a while back did mention uh, Captain Freeman and Commander Ransom from Lower Decks in their <laughs> relationship. They're, they're sub-characters. They're like, it's hard. Yeah. It's only 10 episodes, and you get little little hints of them. Yeah. Uh, I love both those characters, um, but I don't have a whole lot to say yet on yes. that. I hope, I hope more seasons will bring more to the table. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite of the, like? Do you have a favorite? Do you have a? Do you have one that you think you gravitate to the most? Do you find the most interesting? I, the personal with it's hard not to go Kirk and Spock just because it's so, <laughs> so iconic. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. It's really tough. I think each has some good things in it. Obviously. So I don't. I probably would just kind of do a cop out and say Kirk and Spock is my favorite, just because um, that's kind of kind of set the mold, so to speak, and then flip the mold on its head, um, like we kind of talked about in the later shows. So I like to see the different uh, how that kind of switched. So yeah, did we answer Cyber Honey's question? Not all that. I, I'm I'm trying to figure out if her question was the. Uh, she, she mentions Picard is her childhood idol, mine too. Um, and uh, at the time, back in the old days, uh, he was the only one that really said number one, like used number one as the, mm. the label for Commander Riker. So not a huge fan of Pike and George O, both using it in Discovery. Well, like I think in, that's in, in the Pike captain's manual. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it might. I think I think Discovery is kind of making the case that it's a more common parlance, which I think is what. Cyber Honey might resist uh, that it was yeah. uh, prefers to think of it more as a Picard Riker thing, something Picard does. But you know, Pike does call his first officer number one in the cage, which is the first thing produced. Um, so I think Pike using it in Discovery comes from that. That that's what he calls his first officer in the cage. Um, Giorgio using it too would imply that it's a more widespread practice to call your first officer number one. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe the only reason Cisco and uh, Janeway and Archer don't do it is because they didn't choose their first officers, like we were, we've been saying. Like that's not um, the, the, the card got to pick. Yeah, uh, Riker. Yeah. out of a, like he talks about looking at resumes and choosing his first officer from you know applicants, and yeah, that's a different different kind of thing than what um, Cisco, Archer, and Janeway got to experience. Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciate that, and I, I, I too think of number one as like that's what Card calls a record, still to this day. Uh, the Suri Burnham relationship has been building the longest. If you're going to talk Discovery, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's like if you're talking character dynamics, definitely that's the most well developed. I think character relationship in the show. Um, but I think they've only been 
each other's captain first officer for really a pretty short period of time. Yeah. Having just watched the show. They've worked together um, uh, for a good bit. A lot. Uh, right. But not that kind of dynamic, I don't think. Right. Exactly. I think just the trust there is more friendship based than more a maybe professional like we've seen in um, TG. So. Yeah. Having been colleagues for so long as but then, not captain person. But there's also this distrust uh, once Burnham yes. gets back. So that's yeah. definitely. Definitely. Some dynamic. That's, that definitely loads their yeah. relationship. But. Um, I do think we could, I have a hard time, but not choosing Kirk and Spock too. Yeah, because I think if, if, ask ask a random person, to, what do you know about Star Trek, and they're going to say Kirk and Spock. Yeah. So I, I think it's I have a hard time walking away from that. But I love them all for their own reasons. Like I said, I think they each bring like a defining characteristic to their shows and are kind of so baked into mm-hmm. personality of each show that. Uh, I have a hard time choosing one over the other, but if I had to, I'd say Kirk and Spock. Yeah, I think so. Me too. I can confidently say that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Star Trek 09, actually, just to have a real quick aside, I think Star Trek 09 actually uh, enhances that too. I think it's a, it's a different universe, different timeline, different set of circumstances, but I think seeing the building blocks of that friendship over the course of those movies uh, play out, like, regardless of you know circumstance and timeline like these two people are kind of destined to be drawn to each other uh and that one starts off with more distrust right it does it does uh, which i really like (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that's what i mean like but then it it, even it feels just as strong at the end uh especially with um yeah what yeah i agree Totally agree. Um, so I think that'll. Yeah. I think that about does it. I think that we can put a pin in this one. Let us know if you guys want to see more dynamics explored. We don't necessarily have to do characters. We can do um, species. We can do. This is just kind of off the top of my head, but uh, captain, captain dynamics with. Um, Starfleet, other things like that. So if there's a dynamic that you want to see us kind of explore, I, I want to say that we've kind of maybe explored more of the romantic side. So I would be more interested in, in seeing dynamics other than that type of stuff. But um, definitely let us know. I agree. Um, I think there's some there's some cool dynamics to definitely explore uh, kind of in the future. Definitely going to try to make a conceited effort to kind of bring back uh come back to this topic uh, a little bit down the road but this was a really fun time talking about uh first officers and and captain dynamics yeah it was definitely like an aerial view of all of them i think all five of the the ones we kind of talked about you could you could do a little bit more prep work on and do a whole hour on just Just those two characters (laughs) relationships each one of them merits its own full conversation but we wanted to try to touch each one and talk about what we like about each as a as a starting point so maybe down the road we can do that um i think uh, certainly you could do an hour on kirk and spock no problem with that um so open to all things Mm -hmm. okay yeah Right. I think April for the rest of April might be a little 
schedule. Um, you might see a, maybe a pre-recorded um, episode to come at some point this month. Uh, we have some scheduling challenges uh, this month. Yes. Um, but we will be around uh, in some capacity um, over the next few weeks. Uh, so stay tuned on the, uh, the Twitter feeds for scheduling announcements and, um, you know, Join the Discord server. Send me a DM on Twitter, TrekFan4387, yes. if you'd like to be a part of that and to have easy access to those announcements and uh, you know, scheduling things yeah. as well. Yep. Bill said it best. The, the discussion does not stop here. Um, Twitter and, and Discord are definitely at best. Uh, with that being said, I want to thank everybody in the ch- live chat. Um, for coming in and helping steer the conversation. Thank you for the podcast feed listeners as well. Um, and hopefully we'll be back next week with in some capacity. Or, some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Thanks everybody. Hey, this is Trek Live Dan again. Like I said before, the discussion does not have to stop here. Come over to our Twitter, Facebook, and our Discord channel to keep the Star Trek discussion alive. See you guys next time.